Reed is here, and he is, and Josue is as well. They're coming up, and uh, this is half of the family. The other half is, as I said, flying. Or they've flown to Spain. Robert uh, and I were in seminary together along with Lynn, and we got to know he and his family. In fact, his father was our discipleship and evangelism professor at North Park Theological Seminary, and he's the one who introduced me to this concept of making disciples and, and discipling others as he discipled me. Um, and he was a great example for me for evangelism and discipleship especially, and his, in, just his love for Jesus. And so... His dad, uh, Jerry Reed, passed on that love for Christ to his kids, and this is one of the kids uh, of Jerry, is Robert, and so you'll hear from him this morning. So I'll pass it off to you. Thanks, Thanks for being John. here, Robert. It's great to be here. Roberto. So good morning to everybody. Come here, Josue. Quick. Um, so I want to show a picture of uh, the Holy Family, right? You know that Holy Family? Jesus and Joseph and Mary. Is that up there on the screen? And then, uh, then I'll show you the next picture of a not-so-holy family, which is my family. <laughs> and Josue is here in person, so I just wanted to introduce you. Josue uh, was born in 1998, special needs son. He has fragile X syndrome, but he's a drummer. He like, sees that drum set and he like, wants to play the drum. So should I preach this morning or do you want to? No, you. Okay. All right. But uh, it's just a joy to be able to travel with my son Josue and to be here in person. For those of you that are here you know, in person here, and those that are watching um, online as well. It's just a privilege to be with you all. Thanks, Josue. All right. For you? Yes. Do we have to raise a little more support uh, because you're wearing the same sweaters and, as you have? <laughs> Do you need a little more support yeah. from us, Robert? Yeah, there's a fund. Uh, go to kmart.org. Um, <laughs> we're raising some. <laughs> uh, so just to say, this is... Um, I, I'm not going to be sharing in detail about what we do in Latin America and Spain, but just a headline. Um, um, so I'm the director for Freedom in Christ for Latin America, living in Spain. We also help with Freedom in Christ Latin America, which serves all sorts of denominations um, around the world. Our core resources are translated into something like 40 languages now. Um, in the UK, close to half a million people have used our discipleship course. Um, and it's about identity. So if you would like to find out more information, there's a picture of us, and I'll put our it. Um, but you might want to go to our webpage, which is freedominchrist.org, and download a free resource, which is called Restored. Um, we have it online there. I think it's in, it's in English, German, Chinese, and Spanish. So most of you probably speak English, I assume. Yeah? Amen? Okay, good. So that's just a free resource, and it's, it's, an, it's a way to experience, uh, you know, following Jesus and faith and repentance. It's just a great, great resource that you can that you can download. Um, so hi from Nancy, and a big thank you for my wife Nancy. Maybe some of you know this, others don't, but uh, the, the kids actually helped raise money to pay for my wife's eye surgery like a year ago, uh, like almost a year ago today. So thank you for going above and beyond and supporting us and helping even with that eye surgery. So she doesn't have glasses on in that picture. So thank you for that. Um, so I, I remember the birth of Josue, and, and Sophia, 1998 and 2000. Um, the birth of Jesus, you know, in the liturgical calendar, this is still Christmas time. Epiphany is next Wednesday, where we remember the story of the wise men bringing gifts to the baby, baby Jesus. So stick with Christmas still. We're still in the Christmas season, okay? You good with that? Um, 
And so, you know, there's this ancient prayer of come, come Holy Spirit, come. And I'd like to pray that right now. Um, and it's an ancient liturgical prayer, but it's more than just words. And to realize that Jesus, by his spirit, is present with us here in the sanctuary and wherever you may be watching online right now. Let's pray. Lord, we've already prayed and worshiped. And again, we're called to invite you come. Holy Spirit. We need you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Amen. So take a moment with me. Let's look back and learn from the past. Going back 2,000 years ago to the birth of Jesus, but I'd like to talk about three births, and we'll do these slides in a row. First, the birth of Jesus. Next slide. The born-again birth. And thirdly, the birth of the church. Three births. God in Jesus, light of the world, born into the world as a baby. Then this Jesus who brings us the gift of new life, the born-again birth, to be his people, his children, by his spirit, who then ignites, ignited and ignites the church into being. The birth of Jesus, our new birth, and the birth of the church. Next slide. This Jesus' birth. And this is what we celebrate, right? At Christmas time. The sweet, tender, cozy, warm, fuzzy fairy tale. Oops, it's not a fairy tale. It's a real story. The real life story. Yet often we tell and live the stories if Jesus had been born in the Swiss Alps with a midwife before a warm fire. And that's where we get the myth of hay, of a, a wooden European vision of a manger. Yet, the stable was probably a cave that was cold, very rough and rocky countryside of Bethlehem. The manger itself probably of stone, and imagine Mary, her pregnancy probably included, right? Morning sickness, throwing up untimely pee, globs of mucus, and at birth, of course, her water broke, and she's screaming at the painful contractions. Shall I go on? I'll leave it at that. So has anybody been, been pregnant here, had, had babies? I'm glad it's just the women that are raising their hands, not me. <laughs> and then eight days later, the little baby Jesus was circumcised. You know what that is, right? The snip, snip, cutting. I won't go into that graphically. Uh, crying, a baby, blood. It was messy, it was dark. And I'd like to read in the midst of the darkness that maybe we're experiencing, maybe not, this, this word of hope from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
the darkness has not overcome it. Christmas of 1987, there was a young university student that woke up, felt the darkness, was sad and depressed, and started to cry and pray. Lord, why? Why the pain? Why the depression? Where were you all those times when I felt alone? That was me. I cried in silence, but then sensed that Christmas morning, his presence not as a quick fix, but as Emmanuel, God with us, with me, crying with me in my pain. And I heard his voice, it wasn't audible, but this deep sense, very real. Rob, I was there then in those memories, and I am with you now. And God is with us now, whatever you may be going through or have gone through this year, or what will happen. He is the same yesterday, today, and always, and God is good. So that very first Christmas, next slide, back to the Holy Family, people were attracted to a little baby. Shepherds were attracted. The wise men were attracted. Simple shepherds. Wise men travel, and at the sight of Jesus, they gave him these gifts. It says they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Jesus attracted people back then, and he continues to attract people today. And as he grew, right around age 30 or so, the public ministry of Jesus begins, and old and young were attracted to him. Women like Mary Magdalene, John, Susanna, men like Peter, James, and John, and others that left everything to follow him. So yeah, today people are still attracted to Jesus. China, close to 30,000 people give their lives to Christ every day. And they convert not with just a short little prayer. It's a major thing. There's persecution in China. It's not popular to be a follower of Jesus. But Jesus is attractive. They give their lives to Christ. They experience signs and wonders and healing, but even more so the miracle of love of forgiveness, of peace that passes all understanding, of freedom, even when they're incarcerated. From the manger in a cave, let's fast forward 30 years later in the life of Jesus, we have this encounter with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a religious leader of the day who's also attracted to Jesus. And he was introduced to another birth, right? The born-again new birth. And actually, I have mixed feelings about this term by how it's been used. I remember crossing the street once in Los Angeles and somebody was like screaming at me and, and, and inviting me to repentance and to give my life to Jesus. And I said, I know Jesus. No, you don't. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, right? And he's just screaming at me and, and that, 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 like that, I didn't like that. And I said, imagine if, you know, people that don't know Jesus experience that kind of uh, proselytism where there's, it's, there's the absence of love. Right? So I have mixed feelings about this term, but I believe in the term wholeheartedly. I believe in being born again, but let's be careful how we use terms. Let's be honest and vulnerable with people. So now when I travel to Latin America and I'm forming and teaching pastors, I share them my story, not just of depression when I was in the university, but my depression that revisited me two years ago. And at times, pastors in Latin America, maybe in other parts of the world, like to share just their success stories, but to be vulnerable 
and to experience new life creation, new hope and healing again and again through Jesus. So what does born again mean? I love how Jesus unpacks this when a fearful leader named Nicodemus that I mentioned earlier comes to him in hiding, right? He comes at night because he's attracted to Jesus, but he's afraid at the same time. And Jesus doesn't reject him. He receives him and says to him, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So let's watch a passage of scripture that's presented graphically about someone who is truly born again. Scott Harrison is his name, and he's the founder of CharityWater.org. And I'd encourage you to watch a 20-minute version of this video, not so that you give money to CharityWater.org, but you might be called to do that, but the principle of change and transformation. It's an amazing story of Scott Harrison. Let's watch this short video of his life. I grew up as an only child. Um, I was the good church kid. At 18, like so many bad cliches, I rebel. Uh, became uh, a nightclub promoter. And over the next 10 years, from uh, about 18 to 28, really climbed up New York's social ladder. At 28, uh, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. My girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, uh, I had a Rolex, I had a Labrador Retriever, I had a grand piano in my apartment in New York, and I was so unhappy. Something awakened in me, something, uh, it was a realization maybe that I would, I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. There would never be enough girls, there'd never be enough drugs, there'd never be enough parties. I guess it was a fresh look, being able to take a look at faith again with fresh eyes and I became so compelled by uh, a Jesus who went around serving the poor, who went around looking after others and, and lived a life of integrity. You know, this is verse uh, in James that I came across that said, true religion is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So I was 0 for 2. Uh, not only had I done nothing for the poor in a decade, I literally polluted people for a living. I made this radical, uh, radical life move. I wound up selling all of my possessions. I joined this humanitarian mission, a group of medical doctors volunteering in West Africa, operating on a huge hospital ship, and I become their photojournalist. I saw a lot of stuff uh, over those two years, and I think the thing that struck me the most was people drinking dirty water. Half of the country didn't even have their most basic need for health met. Half the country didn't have clean water to drink. And when I landed back in New York, I was 30. And this was the issue that I felt so compelled to work on. And Charity Water was definitely birthed out of my faith experience, of, of me returning back to Christ, to, um, to God again. And, it, you know, I believe that the idea of Charity Water is very close to God's heart. I believe the idea of a world where every single person drinks clean water is, is so fluid, is so in line with the heart of, of God, the heart of the Father. Uh, and, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do with, with my work. Over the last nine years, we've raised almost $200 million. Uh, we've helped over uh, 5.5 million people around the world get access to clean water. So we've made a little bit of a dent. Uh, and, and most importantly, the number of people without water has come down from a billion to 660 million. You know, if I look back on it, I think this idea of really trying to serve God through my work um, 
you know, it's changed everything in my life. But I think, you know, you can do that wherever you are, whether you're a banker, whether you're a florist, um, you can bring, you know, the, the kingdom values that you believe in into your work, into the way that you, you serve your customers, into the way that you lead uh, your team members, uh, into the way that you, um, you support others. So have you experienced this all-encompassing born-again birth that affects your vocation? Now, sometimes we think, well, you know, uh, you know, aspire to, to be a part of a nonprofit or aspire to be a pastor and be a full-time ministry. Aspire to be a follower of Jesus where he has planted you. If he wants to and you're open to and he wants to shift that vocation, that's fine. But chances are right where you're planted is where God wants to use you and work through you. And it may be a season of unemployment. It may be a season of whatever, but God wants to work in and through you where you are planted. Have you seen the motion of the Lord's Prayer? You know, it, you've heard this cliche, sometimes we're so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. I think that's sometimes a legitimate accusation of Christians. The prayer of Jesus, of course, was to be heavenly-minded and have eternity. God has placed eternity in our hearts, it says in Ecclesiastes. And I'm glad I'm going to get to see my mom and my dad who are in eternity right now. But the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. In McPherson, Kansas, McPherson, sorry, Kansas, as in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. This downward movement of God on this side of eternity where we're called to impact, like you were doing with low-income housing, like unplanned, but God, is, there's a movement happening through you. Continue that where you're planted. If you want to know more about how God wants to use you as a teacher, business person, whatever, there's a great book by Edgardo Silvoso, who's the brother-in-law of Luis Palau. If you're taking notes, write down this book, uh, Anointed for Business, or Prayer Evangelism. Very practical how God wants to just explode in the midst of where you are planted right now. So let's look at uh, some other biblical texts. I mentioned John chapter 1, John 3 with Nicodemus. We have Isaiah chapter 9. It's a prophecy foretelling the birth of Jesus. You can see it up on the screen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace predicted of Jesus and he was born he fulfilled this and many other prophecies in the Old Testament it has inspired countless artists musicians you've probably heard some of the songs and I'd like to give you just a sampling of three songs real quick of songs that have been inspired by Isaiah chapter 9 let's listen to it watch
So, third category of music, is that your favorite? Anybody? Raise your hand with me. Yeah? Wait, wait, let, 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 put that hand up. I want to see it. Just me? Really? All right. There's another two people. Okay. All right. The f- fact is for every generation, God inspires in different ways and wants to touch the children, the youth, each one of us, men and women, with this truth. Listen to the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the birth of Jesus, the new birth of Nicodemus, the invitation to lean into that life, abundant life that Jesus has for each one of us. And the birth of the church at Pentecost. The birth of the church at Pentecost was not just a group of individuals saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my life. Well, I mean, they were surprised by a group of people that seemed to be drunk one morning, but they weren't. They were filled with the Spirit of God. See, coming to Jesus is not fire insurance from hell. It's so much more. It's meant to impact every fiber of our being but not just us alone our families our church community other churches our whole community you know the church without walls which I think you're pretty good at right it's not just about what happens inside here at Pentecost um, something powerful happened and you know this communal aspect of the church is so important I remember Liu and Hua these bright Chinese graduate students who were studying in the U.S. in Chicago, and my sister Kathy and brother-in-law Steve adopted these graduate students. And I remember having a conversation with Liu in the basement of my parents' house, 5219, that John Black knows about because he painted much of that house. And in that basement, this conversation with Liu, and you shared with me how his uncle was a Buddhist priest and his uncle and he had heard about and this Buddhist priest had seen people come back from the dead to life and signs and wonders you know that, that, you, that, that you wouldn't imagine but yet he came to Christ and I've seen signs and wonders but he came to Christ why the power of community of spirit-filled hospitality that became a part of the covenant church, the church's community. They experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in community. Now they're serving God wholeheartedly. The new birth of the church, being a part of that community. See, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she gave birth to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to be born again. And the same Holy Spirit gave and gives life to the church. We have this story, and I just briefly want to take from a couple videos uh, of of Acts. And the first part is after the death and resurrection, uh, you know, of, of Jesus. And there's this encounter. So let's listen and watch before Peter stands up and gives his impromptu but spirit-filled sermon. Let's listen. 
Repent and be baptized. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they waited. They waited and waited. It's like a champagne bottle has been shaken and shaken. And then finally, on the day of Pentecost, the cork flies off. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Do not leave. Repent and be okay, baptized. Stop Everyone right there. knew it. Um, so this story, right? Jesus prepares him. You will be my witnesses, and the Spirit will come, and the Spirit comes. And Peter didn't have time to prepare the sermon. It was just a reactionary sermon filled by the Spirit of God. Guys and gals, we're not drunk. It says it's 9 a.m. in the morning. It's my paraphrase. We're, f we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he gave him this inspired, right, history lesson of Israel, the Messiah, and then tells those listening, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And instead of being offended when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, it says. Cut to the heart. And asked, what shall we do? And Peter replies, oh, just say the short prayer. No. Now listen to the repent and be baptized. Oh, before or don't listen to it just believe don't it don't leave Jerusalem but wait for the next, gift next my is repent and be baptized video repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call and that is the birth of the church. 3,000 plus people, because it just talks about men, but men and women formed the spark of the early church. They met in homes back then and in the temple courts, a borrowed building. They took care of each other's needs. Nobody was hungry. Acts 2 describes the life of the newborn church this way. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The Lord added to their number daily. It's just an incredible story of the church. Oh, that's back then. No, it's now as well. And it's happening among you. And God wants to grow that and grow that and grow that beyond what you can imagine. See, it's during the difficult times where the church has been stellar. It, you know, early the early centuries, the Black Plague in later years, the church has been there willing to touch the lepers. Jesus gave that example and to be salt and light. You know, places where there's relief work that are happening like the tsunami in Japan, a lot of people go and it's popular, but you know who stays in those places? Followers of Jesus. Not for the media, not for the recognition, because they're the church serving, loving And being under new ownership is what it means to follow Jesus. Yes, to be loved and have new life and abundant life, but Lord, 
to give ourselves to him in anything he asks and calls us to do, we'll do. Amen? I like the saying of an imperfect man like we all are. There's only one who's perfect, and that's Jesus. But Martin Luther King Jr., you can see this quote on the screen. He called for a shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society, saying the following. When machines and computers, profit motives, and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. A people-oriented society inspired by Jesus, the Spirit of Christ in and through us. The gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to the church and it's for me and it's for you, it's for all of us. The Holy Spirit that birthed, ignited the church into being. The promise of life, the promise of harmony, of beauty from ashes, of creativity, of newness, new creation, strength, freedom, compassion, anointing of living water. It's for you, it's for me, it's for all of us. And all of this from the birth of a baby. But it didn't end there. And sometimes we live our Christian life just with what seems to be a fairy tale, but it's not. Or, or we'll take it to the crucifixion of Jesus like the prodigal son that's embraced, but he's dirty and smelling. Say, oh, that's a beautiful picture of how God loves us in our sin. But God calls us out of sin into holiness and that's a miracle and so we live the resurrection right and we live in the power of the spirit you say well that's for the Pentecostals or that's for this for all of us for the whole church amen the story of Jesus and the ongoing story of Jesus in and through you so powerful light to the darkness and these last 10 months have been difficult my mom died in May that was hard grateful that I was able to be with her but this has been probably one of the most fruitful years of ministry that I've had of my 53 years of life and I'm counting on more fruitful years regardless of new crises if things get worse or they get better no matter who's in charge in the presidency of the United States I will follow Jesus right and my brothers and sisters around the world, we raise the flag of Christ before we raise the flag of any country. Amen? But I'm proud to be an American. I'm also a Spanish citizen, born in Ecuador. But my, my ancestors came across in 1664 on the good ship Winthrop. Can you beat that? Huh? <laughs> Pilgrims fleeing the persecution of the church of, of the day in England. Who cares, right? Be faithful. We're called to love country, but God first. Amen? It's been a hard year. Harder for some than others. It's hard when there's death. Came across this story, and I'll end with this. It's uh, from the Advent Project in Biola University. It's this Christmas story about the hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Let me read a part of the hymn and a reflection based on this hymn. Familiar with this hymn? I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill 
to men. And that's kind of the Swiss Alps version, beautiful, lovely, but then the hymn goes on. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So it turns out that in writing these words, Longfellow, who's the author, he'd received news from that his oldest son had been critically injured while fighting for the Union Army. And at the time, Longfellow was still grieving the loss and death of his wife who had died in a fire. He had been badly burned while trying to save her and fell into a deep depression after her death. The season of Christmas, Longfellow believed, could never again lighten his heart. Nevertheless, on that Christmas day, he picked up his pen to write a poem while a war between hope and despair raged within him. Incongruity between the refrain of peace on earth, goodwill to men, appeared not only in his personal circumstances, but also in the nation afflicted by civil war and the evils of slavery. Yeah, this too has been a hard year. And it has and continues to be hard going into 2021 for many. And after close to a year spent of suffering a pandemic, racial unrest, the California fires and political polarization, many of us may share Longfellow's feelings of dissonance between the joy of Christmas and what we are living. But the same truth that inspired Longfellow holds true for us today, however, to pull us up from despondency into life. And the hymn goes on. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And we can often forget that the dissonance and incongruity are always present in this life. Our world has never been at peace even when the Prince of Peace came and visited through his birth and life and resurrection. But peace is to be had for those who choose. Followers of Christ throughout the centuries have celebrated the birth of our Savior and the love that sent him to earth. And this Christmas, and Epiphany, which is next Wednesday, reminds us that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Instead, he rules over all, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent and it's been a hard year yes but a fruitful year and it's meant to be fruitful that's the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit does in our character and in our works Jesus birth life resurrection his presence to us today by his spirit is the hope of the world for people on mountaintops and on valleys going through the shadow of the valley of death or grief like Longfellow Jesus is real hope for moms and dads, lawyers, teachers, retirees, the employed, the unemployed, business leaders, executives, farmers, construction workers, nurses, children, for you, for me, for all of us. And today, in the midst of the messiness of life, Jesus invites us not into a fairy tale, but into real faith, hope, and love. And Jesus invites every tissue cell and part of your body, your family, your church into this new life.
See, we think sometimes that new life is just this one prayer. Now we go deeper into life. I'd like to invite you to pray in silence as we invite, you know, we say this prayer, come Holy Spirit, and it doesn't mean that he's not here, but it's a prayer really of humility that we draw closer to him and we're more aware of his presence. And whether this sermon or today is interesting or boring is, is not relevant. It's the presence of Jesus that's relevant. And he speaks to us. And the application he has, if you're depressed or not depressed, in joy or not, he has a word for you and something for you. And if you can't hear it, you'll hear it in community as you open up to others and you tell them about your suffering or pain. But would you pray for me and listen for the Spirit of God to bring an application that's unique to each one of us. Let's pray. Those of you watching online, I would invite you to engage and just stay centered for a moment. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your presence. Spirit of the living, resurrected Christ, come and move among us and speak to each one of us. Peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Jesus, your kingdom come in McPherson as in heaven in Spain, Latin America, to this world as in heaven. Jesus, your kingdom come. Lord bless you. Thank you.